0: It takes more than jumping time zones in an effort to stay ahead of that deadline to be a great software engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 266. I'm your host, Jamison Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development and time travel. <laughs> that does come up more often than you would expect. It does. It is the universal solution to every problem. I wonder at what point it... so. I mean, it's not time travel, but as you, what if you just go close to the speed of light and wait for relativity to kick in so you have more time to complete your work?
1: Oh, yeah. Just move
0: faster. Yeah. Just go faster. Like, run really fast. <laughs> that feels like something that a game dev studio would try. It's like, all right, we're <laughs> 18 months behind our launch date. We have 4,000 hours of work to do before we go gold in the next two weeks. Time to orbit the Earth at... A million miles an hour.
1: Yes, we're putting the whole team on the back of a flatbed trailer truck and we're going to go really fast down the freeway.
0: (laughs) It can't be worse than some of the other stuff they do to try and get more productivity (laughs) out of people. That's true. Dave, do you want to thank our patrons? Sure. Thanks to those that are
1: contributing the, at the level that gets them a weekly shout-out. They are Chitalian, patreon.com.au. We're hiring Ira Chan, Monkeyface Emoji, Jonathan King, TestingIsDocumenting.org, Adrian Bording, Roman Denisov, FizzBuzz Influencer, Oladabha Fadiyi, Kieran Svainson, Will Angel, Ragnar Hardison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Anderson, Dennis Bogdanoff, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Taras Haru, Chris Hogan, Nick Cantar, Philip John Basile, and BitesofWisdom.com with a Y. If you would like to join this crew or join our Slack community, all you have to do is go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. And any amount of money, greater than zero, will get you access to our Slack community. And for filthy amounts of lucre, you can get your name or whatever word you want said out loud on the show every week. Also, I noticed someone uh, signed up for a $3.14 monthly subscription recently, which I really (laughs) appreciated.
0: Okay. What's the lowest? I mean, will Patreon let you do like one cent? Probably not because they have all these fees they have to pay.
1: I think the best way to find that out is to have about 10 million people try it.
0: <laughs> uh, we could make Stripe a lot of money, I guess, yeah. whoever does their <laughs> processing. Okay, I will read our first question. This question is from a listener called Resun. Should I change tech stacks every few years in order to not get pigeonholed? Is it a good idea to stick with a tech stack for as long as I can, or should I follow the market trend and try to learn another promising tech and then try switching into that? Would you advise me to be more of a specialist or a generalist early in my career, and what about later when I'm more experienced? I'm a full-stack web developer who's just starting out at my first job, if that matters. Ah, just starting out as a web
1: developer. Wouldn't that be like a no-stack web developer? (laughs) I don't know any yet. (laughs)
0: I remember caring a lot more about this when I was earlier in my career. And yeah. the longer I've been in tech, the more I've seen, I was just talking to somebody the other day who there's this super productive company built totally on PHP and they, they're, they're fine. Like everything mm-hmm. exists somewhere in the world. Even the hype is not uniformly distributed, but the hype in your particular corner of wherever you're getting your tech industry pulse is, is not really representative of what people are actually using in production. So I don't think it's bad to stick with tech for quite a while. Uh, mm. where quite a while is, is like, I don't know, several years. You shouldn't worry about hopping because the the thing you're using is out of date. If it's in popular use right now, it'll still probably be around a couple of years for now. That's separate from, uh, I mean, there might be stuff that pays better or that aligns with your interest more that you just think is cool, but I don't think you have to.
1: Doesn't it turn out, though, that just because someone's using it now and will be for a few years. If you become the expert on something... No, well, not, sorry, that was put wrong. Let's say you develop deep expertise on something to the exclusion of a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, it's good for a couple of years, but then you get hung out to dry when the world
0: moves on eventually from that technology. We've talked about this a bunch before too, though. There's there's uh, different half-lives that technologies have where they uh-huh. some of them take longer to decay than others. Yes. <laughs> and, and after a while, you kind of learn... I don't know, like operating system fundamentals. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't. Linux has been around for a long time. Maybe serverless means that's less of a deal. I guess maybe that's the big paradigm now. So that's becoming ah. less important in some ways. But there's something out there that is not going to change, even if the language it's implemented in changes. And so maybe the the specific API of the specific PHP framework that you're using that will help you be productive at your job, and your next job will probably not be using that same framework. So yeah, you'll lose that. But you, you still gain knowledge about PHP, knowledge about web development in general and how to scale systems and architect things. And, and that's the stuff that you carry with you. And if if you're smart enough to be an expert in a language, I feel like you should also be smart enough to pick out the agnostic, just good technical practices and carry those to a different language.
1: I respectfully disagree with you, Jameson. <gasps> I'm appalled. <laughs> I think it's very difficult to pick out the cross-cutting best practices when you've only been exposed to one.
0: That's true, actually. That's a good point. Yeah, the best practices are just like literally everything about the thing you know, because that's the best you know.
1: Yeah. It's the only one you know. <laughs>
0: it's They're also all the worst practices. Right.
1: <laughs> For you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think something happens when you've <laughs> moved on to your third, fourth fifth technology stack. You start to you start to get a a sense for what's a good idea, what's a bad idea, as you see themes repeat themselves in a good way or in bad ways. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like it does make sense to jump every once in a while and completely reboot yourself, even if your old tech stack isn't even dying
0: yet. So this is less about keeping up with the market trends and more about exposing you to a a breadth of Different ways of doing things.
1: I think so. And and this is from someone who lived through 2013, which was kind of the year of the front-end web framework wars. You may recall several hit the scene and were just so hot. And there was all this competing for mindshare and whatnot. And I, I don't espouse the idea that you should say, well, this is hot this year. I'm going to go do that because that's where all the jobs are. I I don't think that really works. Yeah. So like you said, I am more into rebooting for my own self, which is really driven not just by getting exposure to the new stuff, and but also that I think that you need to develop the muscle to learn new things quickly. And there's really a great way to do that, which is throw yourself into the deep end of a brand new tech stack.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to claim that we both agree with each other in a way, because you're saying you should shift so that you widen your scope. And I'm saying you don't have to switch to keep up with the market because tech takes a long time to <laughs> to switch. But yeah, you can those can both be true at the same time. You you mentioned the framework wars of 2013. It's interesting to follow that curve because that's when React came out and yep. it, it was like hyped, and I feel like now is when React is at peak industry job saturation.
1: 8 years later. <laughs> yeah, it's taken <laughs> it's forever
0: for it it to become popular enough that now you can go and find a React job pretty easily at, at lots of different places. So these timelines are pretty long.
1: That is true. That's very long. And and frankly, yeah. when you talk about the most popular tech stacks, like on the front end, there's a few. You've already mentioned one, and I'm resisting mentioning any others because this is a soft skill show. I'm doing mm-hmm. my best. But on the front end, those like mega frameworks, it's really hard to go wrong with picking one of those. But still, even with one of those, even with the longevity we just talked about, In 15 years, do you really think you want to be the React expert (laughs) like 15 years from now? I'm going to guess
0: no. I want to be the person who writes the blog post comparing whatever newfangled technology of the day is popular to, this is just the old React model from
1: way back in 2013. Yeah, remember 2013, you whippersnappers?
0: Yeah, I love reading that stuff.
1: It's like, this is just like COBOL in
0: 1978. Yeah, you could be. Completely making it up. I would yep. have no idea. Yep. But I wow. believe you are wise from reading that.
1: So smart.
0: But if you're a full stack web developer who's starting out your first job, good news, you'll probably have a different job in a couple of years. So this will <laughs> just happen automatically. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's do
1: like a yes, or no answer. Would you advise me to be more of a specialist or a generalist? And should I change tech stacks every few years to not get pigeonholed?
0: What's your answer, Jameson? It's a yes or no. Oh man, I have to make a decision. Uh my answer is um yes. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay, good. I agree. Now, second question.
0: My answer is pigeonholed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah, what what were the questions? <laughs> yes, go for the pigeonhole. It's really cool. Should you change tech stacks every few years? Did I? Uh no, should that or was should one of you? the questions you asked. I think for the vast majority of software developers, that's not even a decision that you have to make because 10 years at jobs are short enough. It'll make it for you so, anyway. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should prioritize that. I think you should. No, I don't think you should. I think it'll just happen.
1: So don't, you don't have to make a special effort to go do it.
0: Yeah, that's what I think.
1: The exception to that rule, though, is if you find yourself in the same job 10 years in without using you know any new tech stacks, maybe you should. But pretty much everyone else, you're fine. It'll happen for you, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. That's okay. what I would have said if I had more sleep last night. If you, <laughs> Thank you for interpreting me. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, last question then. Would you, would you advise this new engineer to be
0: more of a specialist or a generalist? In their first job, I I don't think they can be a specialist.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: What do you mean by that? I mean... There's just a lot you have to pick up all at once in your first job that kind of forces you towards being a generalist. You're saying there's
1: so much that people need to learn. Oh, here I go again, putting words in your mouth.
0: So there's so much. No, do it, please. <laughs> okay. The words are not in my mouth, so I need you to put them there.
1: <laughs> here they come. There's so much as a new engineer that you need to learn that specializing in any one of those areas would, would prevent you from learning crucial things about other areas. Is that what you're saying? I think so. It's kind of like this baseline yeah. you're trying to get to. Yeah, so, that's so don't, what I'm don't saying. even bother specializing. What I would say is, is uh, pretty much the same thing like for your first few years. Like, don't worry, just learn everything you can. Don't worry about whether you're getting too specialized or too generalized. Just learn, learn, learn. Learn everything you can in order to become really skilled with the tools that you need to do your job every day. And then after a few years, then you can have this kind of mental decision you need to make about whether you should specialize further or not. I- I've always made it a point to just become a specialist in the tools that I'm using at work. And then I choose work based on what's going to afford me the most learning opportunity.
0: So you pick what you want to specialize in and then go get a job doing that thing?
1: Not so much. So I, I pick, I pick places to work based on what I think will maximize my learning opportunities. And I don't actually care much about the tech stack. And then I become a specialist in that tech stack, whatever it is. Now, I, there are exceptions to that rule. Like I wouldn't co- I wouldn't probably be interested in a job where it's like, you're going to become a specialist in the Salesforce API. You know, like that's, less interesting i would want more broadly applicable like you're going to become a specialist in the java tech stack or i mean that's obviously that's not a tech stack it's like a million java tech stacks but you know it's like something a little
0: bit more broad like you're going to become a spring expert okay i can do that hmm. i think you just offended all the salesforce developers <laughs> sorry <laughs> we have some who listen to our show i've talked to some of them oh crap and they're coming to your house <laughs> they're on their way they got their crm yeah. bats and they're ready to beat something Okay, I think we've answered the question. Okay,
1: good luck. Shall I read our next one? Please do. Okay, this comes from Breaker of Awkward Silences. (laughs) Okay, Breaker of Awkward Silences writes, I love this show so much, I'm even trying your go-to advice of quitting my job, but not until I've got another one lined up, so shh about it already. In the meantime, I work for a huge agency as a senior-ish developer and have recently started work with a new team. However, they have issues. No one turns on their camera for video calls, which I'm okay with, but it makes the next bit worse somehow. Most say the absolute minimum in response to any questions and offer no opinions or thoughts or ideas. It makes things like sprint retro meetings very awkward. We have a scrum master running our meetings who is clearly struggling to engage the team. I try to hold off to let any of the others answer questions, but I always seem to end up picking up the slack. I've even started timing how long I'll let the silence endure before I jump in with an answer. I'm now waiting fifteen seconds. <laughs> have you come across this before, and how can I get people to engage more?
0: Silence is only awkward if you're engaged, so if you are just completely <laughs> disengaged, you won't even notice If you have a podcast on like this one, yeah <laughs> uh, got YouTube pulled up on your other monitor. I worked with somebody who swore that they could just watch a movie while they worked uh-huh and actually don't remember how productive they were anymore. So maybe they could. I don't know. That would not work for me, though. Yeah. But it would make it so I did not notice awkward silences. For unless sure. Unless there was an awkward silence in the movie at the same time there was yeah. an awkward silence <laughs> in, in the call.
1: I think you would actually look forward to awkward silences. Like, man, I wish this meeting would quiet down <laughs> so I can watch this. I can this. finally
0: hear this dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely, well, I'm going to let some awkward silence build up.
1: Oh man, this is killing me. Jameson, are you there? Are you on mute?
0: <laughs> You'll never know.
1: <laughs> there is something really powerful about being in person and being able to make eye contact with one with someone until they just are they just succumb to the eye contact and are forced to engage you.
0: Yeah. This does feel like a a problem that is exacerbated by being remote. Oh yeah. I have felt this myself and I have talked to other folks who have felt this. I remember a conversation with, with one colleague who uh, was, was coming from a more in-office culture and was very frustrated by the lack of engagement in meetings, cameras off. Yeah, not a lot of participation. Uh, some of it is, uh, there can be this developer attitude of leave me alone, I wanna get my work done. And that attitude is harder to sense when you're in a meeting in person but if it's mm-hmm. remote like if you could in person turn your face off then you would you would maybe feel this same way mm-hmm. someone could just like blank out their face and you just saw a big static oval in front of their head when they <laughs> didn't want you to see their face uh but you can't really do that so you you miss that signal but <laughs> it's uh it's very clear in remote meetings when people do not want to be engaged yeah what do you do about it is it possible you have different expectations about what your work environment should be like? And by that, I mean, maybe these colleagues don't think you should be having these meetings. Maybe they want to work <laughs> asynchronously and over text and uh-huh. and and part of their reluctance to participate is not just that they want to make you feel uncomfortable and make you break out into song to break the awkward silence, but it's that's just not the way they want to work maybe there's some disagreement in, in the right way to work on a team I've seen this before too I've seen a breakdown between people who want to work synchronously and and collaborate heavily in meetings uh remote or in person and people who want to just like email rfcs back and forth for everything and that's the interaction you have is kind of reading and writing back and forth and that led to sadness on both parts because one party is upset with all the meetings and the other party is upset that Nobody ever talks to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, you could try raising that in a retro and then seeing if suddenly everyone starts talking once you once you lampshade it. Once you lampshade it? Oh, do you not know what lampshading is? Uh, this is from TV Tropes. I haven't been to TV Tropes in forever. Instead of reading from Wikipedia, I'm going to read from TV Tropes, which is like Wikipedia, I guess. Okay. Lampshading is a writer's trick of dealing with any element of the story that threatens an audience's willing suspension of disbelief by calling attention to it and simply moving on. So it's when you oh. uh, you point out an awkward or uh, sometimes it can be like fourth wall breaking stuff or okay. I don't know. It, yeah. It's, it's like you point out something that is sticking out already.
1: Uh-huh. But then you just don't say anything else about it other than to point it out.
0: Yes. And why is this called lampshading? You hang a lampshade on it. I don't know where this came from. Maybe TV tropes will tell me if I read. Hang on, the podcast is canceled because I need to. Are you familiar with the TV tropes, uh, like vortex that it sucks you into? No. So, do you know what TV tropes is? Nope. Oh man. Okay, well may- maybe I'll destroy your life. I just see. I just uh, pulled up
1: the website. I see there's a lampshade sitting on the logo though.
0: Yeah, it's a wiki of tropes in fiction, basically and every article links to about 70 other articles of uh-huh. other tropes and then like several hundred examples of media that use the trope in the article and you uh, just like follow the oh my gosh follow the cycle
1: this seems like a website i should not ever open not because it'll suck me in <laughs> but be, you know it could be a time suck but that's not why it's cuz this seems like the kind of website that once you become familiar with its content every time you watch any piece of entertainment
0: you're going to be like oh That was just 17 tropes strung together. I know all of them. Why, that's from page number 17 of the TV Tropes Guide. Yeah, possibly. Seems like a great way to ruin movies. (laughs) Sometimes they ruin themselves. Okay, back to what to do. You've tried waiting up to 15 seconds and that didn't work. Okay, (laughs) maybe 16 is the magic breakthrough. You tried picking up the slack and that didn't work. Yeah, I think you need to have some agreement of, or, or some discussion about ways of working. And, and this discussion will probably be filled with awkward silences. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe you have an email discretion then too. I don't know yeah. if that's the way they want to work.
1: I but. was thinking, so you've got the scrum master here who's on your side, right? And I think you two should turn this into a game. So here we, we've got, we know 15 seconds. We know that the people in the meeting will go 15 seconds. How long will they go? And since you and the Scrum Master are the only ones doing the talking, you guys should partner offline and say, look, we're going to max this out. We're going to see how long it'll go. Maybe you binary search it, you know, where you say you're kind of exploring the space. Say, let's try 30. If that doesn't work, we'll do 60. Then we'll do 120 and 240. And just see how long you could literally just sit there before people just talk. Or they might just drop off the meeting, like timeout due to inactivity.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I got a phone call during the last part. So oh I'm gosh! What you said after <laughs> You're doing it to me. Sit there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I got to turn off my phone. Oh,
1: now I just have to sit here and laugh awkwardly until you come back.
0: <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I turned off my phone. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't hear the last part of what you said after. Um, a binary search to see how long they will sit there in silence.
1: I, okay, I don't know if you're trolling me right now or if you actually got cut off.
0: No, I got cut off. Oh, I can't hear you. I, I couldn't hear you.
1: Oh my gosh, that was so meta. <laughs> okay. I threw out this idea and you just sat there in silence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. You could, <sighs> You could try... So instead of a collaborative game, it could be a competitive game where okay. you try and rack up it could be like golf where you try and have the shortest pauses. Okay. And who can who can say a thing that will elicit responses the fastest or it could be like a lot of other games where you try and get high scores, right? Who can have the longest pause? Uh-huh. I love it. And that's what you use instead of performance ratings to calculate <laughs> your compensation. <laughs> that's one
1: way to do it is get management involved and just be like, "Hey, look, we're going to measure the mean time to response for each of you and uh the higher it is, the more of a pay, of a pay the more we cut into your bonus for the year maybe
0: yeah your uptime for how often sound is coming out of your mouth is really low exactly (laughs) a lot of long outages yep
1: and we have an sla here that you need to meet
0: i have a question that cannot be answered but has it always been like this is this a new development if this is the way the team works and and the breaker of awkward silences has come in to break the awkward silences or they've moved Mm -hmm. to a new process that now involves a scrum master then you're working to change the team's culture and that's going to be hard. And that's where it's even more important to explicitly talk about what the team's expectations are for how you engage in meetings.
1: Yeah. And maybe, maybe this team has pre-established a pattern where they say, look, we're all going to sit in silence for 60 seconds after every question to make sure we really think through our answers before we speak. And you're coming in here and just wrecking it.
0: (laughs) It's like that Amazon reading culture where you you read the memos (laughs) in silence before every meeting, but Instead, after every question or statement, you sit and ponder it.
1: Yeah. And you're just like, come on, what's going on?
0: (laughs) Stop it. I'm trying to think of the implications of what you just said. Yes. Have I come across this before? Yes. How can I get people to engage more? You can't. (laughs) Well, this kind of thing can snowball one way or the other. I've seen it snowball from a group that doesn't engage very much virtually and then one or two influential people start doing it, and then other folks do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like someone has to awkwardly turn their camera on first and stare at a bunch of avatars. Mm-hmm. I've also seen it go the other way, where if if I don't know the person running the meeting turns their camera off, then suddenly you see them all just blip out slowly, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> one by one.
0: Yeah, And I can finally shed my clothing in the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, waiting to oh man, this restrictive t-shirt. Get out of this t-shirt, yeah. So, the point of that is um, if you can find someone influential on the team, maybe uh, I guess it's not you two, the scrum master and the breaker yeah. of awkward silences. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> and you'll but never you find, find out find who the else, other
1: influential people are because they're all sitting in silence. Yeah. There's a problem with this plan, Jess <laughs> Jameson.
0: They're working their several remote jobs at once, so they're multitasking. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe work on one person if if you can't get the team to agree on it and then it just becomes a a shared value organically.
1: Right. I mean, the alternative is you could just be really clear about this and sit down with each person and say, I've noticed you don't ever answer questions or or provide any info in meetings. Uh, Why is that? And then you'll sit there for the next 15 seconds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you might not like the answer too they might just say it because these meetings are garbage a waste of time well a that's waste, useful yeah huge that's waste useful of time to know,
1: though isn't it one way or another you're gonna learn something valuable here or you'll learn nothing i guess
0: i have to go there's a giant water leak in my house oh so uh i guess the question is answered Question
1: answered all right well i'll tell you where you can go if you want to get your own question answered all right <laughs> bye Jason. if you want to get your own question answered go to softskills.audio and click ask a question where you can fill out our form there and uh, put down whatever you like for your question, and we'll get uh, we'll get an answer to it eventually before the heat death of the universe. Thank you so much to everyone who asks questions every week, and we will catch you next week.